Hello. Hey, John. How are you doing uh, today? How's everything going? <laughs> Hi, Dan. Hi. Uh, yeah, things are going good. How, good. Uh, how about you? Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Everything's crazy, but I'm glad really? to be glad to be here. Wow, I want to hear about the crazy. No, I mean, it's just, you know, you got you get a lot going on. There's a lot of stuff going on, and 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 yeah. um, you know, when you're when you are in a role where people work on a team, and then the people on the team work hard, and then then something happens. There's a bug or a glitch or a technical challenge that was not anticipated, uh, and there's nothing you could you you yourself can't do anything. The other person just has to do it, but that's holding things up. That's that can be a stressor. That yeah. kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but working as part of a team, like all pulling together on a project, is that a thing that you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that you like it's it's a thing. Um, you know, it, yeah. it, it's it's the, the it's the olden times. I still remember, you know, going into a corporate office, you know, and being in the corporate office and being in a cube or maybe if you're lucky an actual private office of your own and then like when you're working with other people they're in their cubes and you can like you feel like you're working together and yeah. i feel like that's a big the big missing piece like zooms or or google hangouts and slack and things like that only they work and they're helpful but they only go so far and um i think a lot of people a lot of people in software development and design and writing and other things like that tend to be they tend toward introversion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a lot of people like that, that's a wonderful thing. They can be left alone to just do what they want to do and and get it done and then see people when they want to see people. And then for other people who lean toward extroversion, um, you know, they're like, well, I wish I could hang out with people and talk to people. So they wind up going to coffee shops and sitting in coffee shops, which are unpleasant, generally speaking, because there's the barista making the noise of the grinding and the banging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't, you can't ever really get what you want. And then you're still, then you're just sort of like around other people, but you don't know them. You're not really talking to them. They're just sort of there. If, if know, it's you a were, weird time. If you, if this was a different time, you currently have a, a C level job title. Yeah. In a, in a company that uh, I expect is trying to grow. Yeah. And what that would what that would typically mean is that you had an office with a door and a window or even a corner office. Yeah. I mean, if you were lucky, you would have a door, your own door. So is that a thing that you look at kind of longingly or wistfully? I mean, are, you know, you, you're, uh, you're a lot of different kinds of personality, Dan, all, all in a cheesecloth bag. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> but do you, can you picture yourself like in a tie sitting behind a desk in an office with a with a, a big window and a, and some chairs in front of your desk, and you could say, "Hey, why don't you come on in and sit down? Uh, close the door behind you." Right? Like, do you, is that the kind of executive job that you pictured yourself in, or do, do yeah? You, do, do you wish that that was the case right now? I mean, I used to, I used, I used to have that. Um, yeah, I used to have that, and it was when I had it. It was, it was. I mean, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it, but I was not. I was not in a. I was not in a CTO type role at the time. I was much, much, much lower. Like, I, I, it's ironic that my first, or not first, but like second or third, real corporate job uh, out of college, I had. I wore a tie every day to, to work and dress shoes and slacks, 
sometimes a, a sport coat or even a suit, depending on who would be visiting the office. This was, we, I worked in an aerospace company and I was yep. at the headquarters oh, wow. where all the like, um, all the like accounting people and HR people and those kind of folks were. And I ran, I kind of oversaw the network there and like interconnected the network strategy stuff with the other people. And I had my own, I was on the, we were on the 13th floor and we had a 13th floor in this building. Uh-huh. And it was in downtown. Because you're space people. You're not, you're not superstitious. <laughs> right. We had the whole floor and it was in downtown Orlando and you could, you could look at the Sunbank building. It was beautiful skyline and everything right there in the heart of downtown. At the Signature Building was the name of it. And we had a tunnel, like a tunnel tube thing that would lead from the parking garage uh, into the building. And when you would walk on it, the whole thing would kind of like, like kind of shake, like you could feel your footsteps on it. And I always felt dangerous. My friend Dave, who was an architect, would always say, oh, don't worry, it's fine. But it was very, it felt felt like you were walking over a suspension bridge sometimes the way it would move. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it was a nice, it was a nice time. It was a good, it was a good building. It was a good office to work in. Um, And I had my own office. I had a beautiful window and I could shut the door and it was great. And I'd never had that since. I never, not even in my own house. I never had such a nice office. <laughs> really? And this was in like 1998 or something, 97. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, not even in my own not house. Not even in my own says. house do I have a nice. <laughs> That's funny because, yeah, I knew a lot of people out of college, uh, early 90s, that had jobs where they wore ties and worked in office buildings. And it did seem more. Like that's the way. I mean, the the it seems for sure that that world is kind of gone, but but that that they were twenty two years old and already had a job, usually in computers or something that was like a job with some responsibility. And I don't think any one of those people that I knew then continues to wear a tie and work in an office. But you know, my daughter's mother is a. It was a sea level. I, I missed that, John. But before you talk about about that, yeah. I just want to. T- I want. I want you to bookmark this, and after you say that, I want to go back to this, and that is, I'm. I miss. I miss wearing nice clothes to an office. I miss yeah. the time when men wore suits and ties, and <laughs> and even even fedora hats as part of. Like my granddad, he wore a hat his entire life. So did my dad. And, and I mean, like if he was putting on a suit, he, he had a, a fedora that would match the suit. And if he was going out and about, even when he retired, he would wear like a little, like a little small, like Florida beach fedora thing that he had. Like he always, you know, it was like you dressed up and you cared, you cared. And I miss that. I know. And I think <clears throat> we've talked about it a lot over the years. And I honestly, you know, there's no going back, obviously. And I, and by that, I also mean... I think there's no going back to a, to whatever any of that symbolized. And we've talked a, a, a bunch about kind of feeling like, oh, all that stuff symbolizes respect for your fellow person and, you know, a, a kind of, it's a kind of generosity in living in a, in a city or in tight quarters with other people that you not take your shoes off in an airplane or in a church, you know, all this, it's just such a reoccurring theme. And it felt for a while, even in the last decade, that that whole return to handmade clothes, right. the 
you know, people are going to start wearing nice things again. They're going to, you know, spend some money on a hat type of stuff. Right. <clears throat> that that might be a kind of future, even though we knew that it was never going to be mass culture, probably. Yeah. It was a way of kind of saying, no, 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 I like nice things. And, and, sure. and in the end, nice things are less expensive than buying tons of cheap things. I think that also has kind of, although it still exists in pockets, and I'm sure you still believe it, I do too, but it, but it, it's, it's like the return to vinyl. It's a very specific group of people that are acting out a kind of romantic yeah. way of living. But I, I wonder if there isn't, there isn't a future. I'm, I, where surely there is. Surely there is a future where formality is reintroduced, but not representing what it did, representing something new and different. And it's probably not going to have fedoras, but, I don't think that you can get I don't think you can get more casual than we are now. Right? Like what is more casual than we are right now? People wear pajamas it's, it's, outside. And, now. and John, it's the worst. When people I was at are, the airport not long ago, I saw so many people in line, you know, for the TSA in freaking pajama pants. Yeah. Everywhere I'm you sorry, go. like, it, 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 my general rule is if I have or would sleep in it, I don't wear it out. Right, like a nightshirt. Would you wear a nightshirt out? No. I wouldn't even, I, I have a class of t-shirts in my in my drawers or, or, or closet even that they're, they're for house only that I would yeah. never, I would unthink, if the house was on fire and I needed to get out, I might change the shirt first. That's how yeah. I feel about these shirts. But this is a thing, and, and, and I've gotten pushback over, over this uh, topic for the last 10 years from people that basically say, why shouldn't I be comfortable? And people that listen to the show that are, regular, that are regulars and fans of ours will, you know, will continue to push back on this forever because being comfortable is a priority. And I get that, but you know, as I drive down the street yeah. and see people in pajamas mm -hmm. and... <clears throat> It's not it's not a question of of the fabric or the cut. It's they're literally and not even I mean they're not like silk pajamas. They're just they're just pajamas. They have they have elastic waistbands, they're made out of flannel. They're they have they're plaid and the cut they're not outside pants. Anyway, the 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 thing is like I don't think there's more casual than that. Casual being the operative word. Right, like there's there's less than that. There's there's swimsuits. There's there's literally like robes and underwear. Robes Pierre. But I bet you I bet you there are people somewhere in a community college right now sitting in class in a fleece robe with nothing on underneath except underwear. Like that and and no one would dare say, Hey, you can't wear that to class. Right. 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 And so <clears throat> In the inevitable way of human beings and style and fashion and the times, that will change. Yeah, there will. My but daughter, like it's it's a change. It's a change. This is where I get to sound like a super, you know, like out of touch, uh, like old person. But it's changing already. for the worst. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not getting better. I I feel like 
you know, you know, there's tons of expression. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you something. This is something that when I first started working from home and I first started like, and this is back when very few people were working from home years and years and years ago, decades ago. One of the things that I found really was effective for me was like, it's easy to just roll out of bed, you know, get some coffee and go sit down in front of your computer. But if you preserve kind of a little bit of a routine and you take a shower or you, you exercise and take a shower and get dressed, or even if you just, just put on clothing and don't stay in your sweatpants or whatever, your underwear, but like get dressed, wash yourself, do, do the things that you would do and then begin your day, you know, be, you feel better. You feel better. You're going to feel more productive. You're going to feel that there's been some kind of transition between person in the bedroom and person doing a job. And I would focus better. I would feel better. I would be more alert and attentive. And, uh, and those things, those things mattered. And it's not like I was putting on a suit and tie, you know, to sit in front of my computer in my own house, but I was getting dressed. I would put on a you know, pair of jeans and a, and a shirt. And what also that led to was if somebody would text me and say, Hey, do you want to go grab coffee later? Or do you want to have lunch today? Or I need to go to the bank or the grocery store. I was already ready for it. And that helped me with the procrastination part, the procrastination part, which said, well, uh, he wanted to meet at three for coffee, but like, I haven't showered yet. And I haven't done anything. I have to comb my hair and like, ah, you know, I just won't do it today. And you become, it, it, it encourages the sort of hermit life of just staying inside more and more and more. But if you're sitting there ready to go, all you got to do is put your shoes on and someone says, hey, let's grab a coffee. Like, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Like, it's easy. You know what I mean? And like I had, I felt like I, when I started doing that, it really changed things up. But to back to your point of what you're saying is like, and what I was saying is it's getting worse is now people just wear those pajamas out. They're like, yeah, I'll meet you for coffee. And now they're sitting there in their like dirty sweatpants and their flip-flops, their chipped toenails. It's like nasty. Well, yeah, but we, we always have the bias in our present moment of thinking that we're at the end of history, right? It's just, it's inevitable that you think, well, this is, it's, not only, it's not only that the present moment is the end of history, which I guess is true if you believe time is a, is a linear thing. Yeah, and it, well, it feels linear. Based on my hairline, it's linear. Uh-huh. But also, um, it also feels like now is the culmination of history. Right. And, we, and I think that, that makes, uh, we make that mistake all the time. Like, well, this is it. This is the culmination of everything that's come before. Right. And so we necessarily are living in a time that's a product of all the information, all the, the, the science, everything that humans have ever done. It led us to here. And that's a bias that isn't true, right? Like all of everything that has come, come before, we, we can look at it, we have access to it, or we can interpret it. But where we are now isn't, <clears throat> I don't think, the inevitable result of all of that. Like we go up blind alleys, we arrive at dead ends, we turn around and go back. Things fall apart. It's scientific, right? The, the, for a while we make a feint in this direction and it seems like this is, this is where we're going. We're going to, it's the arts and crafts movement of the 1890s. And then it's like, Oh no, in fact, it's, it's not going to be that it's going to be a world war. It's going to be, and we're going to come back from that and it's going to be Bauhaus or, you know, like, and this is just in the last hundred years. 
the last 120 years. But I feel like it's important to remember that this is not the end of everything. Like Socrates does not culminate in someone waiting at the bus in pajamas playing on a playing playing a game on their phone. It's not a it's not a, a linear progression. And so trying to and this is why science fiction always gets it wrong, trying to prognosticate, trying to imagine like what comes next, you kind of never can. But I know for a fact that you can't get more casual. And so it's got to get more formal. So you think you're saying, okay, if I'm understanding this right, what you're saying is we have hit rock bottom. There can be no more casual than this. It can only bounce back. It can only bounce back. I think. I mean, because for the so last it, two, so this two is, years. This goes along, John, with the whole Gattaca theory, the whole Gattaca theory. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the movie Gattaca? I have. Okay. So you know in Gattaca that, well, I mean, maybe you don't know, but I think you know. Then in Gattaca... Go on. For our listeners that that aren't as well-versed in Gattaca as you, and maybe me. Yeah. Explain. Gattaca... <clears throat> let me actually see. Um, if I look on Wikipedia, how they describe it. It is a 1997 American dystopian science fiction thriller film written and directed by Andrew Nichol. Um, it stars Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman with Jude Law, Lauren Dean, Ernest Borgnine, Gore Vidal, and Alan Arkin. Mm-hmm. It presents a biopunk version of a future society driven by eugenics, where potential children are conceived through genetic selection to ensure they possess the best hereditary traits of their parents. The film centers on Victor Fr- Vincent Freeman, played by Ethan Hawke, who is conceived outside the eugenics program and struggles to overcome genetic discrimination to realize his dream of going into space. And they define biopunk as a... Uh, a, a combination of the of biotech or biology and punk. It's a subgenre of science fiction that focuses on biotechnology. It's related to cyberpunk, but it focuses on the implications of biotechnology rather than mechanical cyberware. So basically, in this world, um, people are you basically depending on how much money you have, you get to control a certain degree of your child's genetic traits. And of course, you want to eliminate all diseases, all imperfections, baldness, needing glasses, you know, having great skin, all of that. The glasses stuff. thing was the biggest insult to me. I know. But, but I, I get know. it. I get it. No, I get it too. And in this world, which obviously takes place in the future, everybody in this world, aside from most people being genetically, you know, good, um, there are some people like Ethan Hawke's character who are just conceived like the old fashioned way, like mm-hmm. uh, With two sex. people just have sex, not just for fun, but to conceive like, wow. And so he's a regular person and he has, he has problems just like regular mm-hmm. people have problems and he's trying mm-hmm. to hide them uh, because as you, based on your genetic profile, you get access to tons of different things in the world. You get a better job. If you're better genetically um, you get, you know, you get to live in a better apartment. So all of those things are there, but that's not what I'm talking about. In this movie, they all dress the way that we used to dress sort of in the 1940s, I would say, meaning suits and ties and, and hats and things like that. And they, the cars that they drive also look 
kind of like 1940-ish, which is just, a, I think in this movie, it wasn't just a stylistic choice. It was also a kind of a choice that made a statement about the way that society had gone. Um, and and the, in that sense, the way society worked, they have a kind of a more morally uptight perspective and I think that's reflected in in the clothes, you know, that that there is a very clear social hierarchy, and all of those things are meant to be seen as bad. I mean, like it's it's dystopian in a lot of ways, um, even though it's very organized. It's still not like a pretty picture of the future. It, it's one that that eliminates a lot of people's freedoms and implies a lot of discrimination. And it, it would not be a fun place to live. There's surveillance everywhere, monitoring everywhere. They're constantly checking your DNA every place you walk in, like. It's not, it's not a fun world, except for the clothing. But again, back to your point, this being the not too distant future, they're doing exactly what you said that we might do, which is that we're going to have this rebound where people are going to start dressing nicely again and caring about how they look and making themselves look good and trying harder to, to look good. But I don't know. I feel like styles are are changing and there isn't really like a style anymore. Like when we went to high school, John, you had the jocks, you had the metal heads, the nerds, you know what I mean? And you could tell what somebody was because if, if they were wearing a Megadeth, you know, shirt, like one of those sort of baseball shirts with the black sleeves and the white middle part of the t-shirt, like you knew, you knew who they hung out with. You knew a lot about them. And now, and like if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you might get beat up. But now all of those things have completely changed. Like you can, you can, you can listen to any music and there's no indication of what music you listen to based on how you look or whether you play D&D. It's not obvious. You know what I'm saying? Like all of this stuff is, uh, it's, it's not clear. It's not clear. And I just, I want to think that you're right. I want to think that people will will be trending toward dressing up again and looking nice again. I would, I would love it. If I could put on a black suit, white shirt, and a black tie, and and dress shoes, and walk around like that during the day, and people would not think I was a more you know like working in a mortuary, I would do that. Oh, I think you absolutely could, and I think it would be, <clears throat> I think it would blow people away, and and the, everybody would be super excited to see somebody in a trim suit because you would, I think, Dan, you're somebody that would wear a suit well. Thank you. I would try to. Um, but no, what I mean is, is something different. If you think back to 1980 and you think back to the sci-fi of 1980, Buck Rogers in the 21st century. Yes. Thank you. Dune. Um, the, the, uh, Disney movie, the black hole, Mm -hmm. star Wars, even most people in science fiction were wearing jumpsuits, right? Yeah. That's, right? where Buck, that's where I really had it, John. Buck Everyone's Rogers in, in a little jumpsuit now. Everyone was in a jumpsuit. And, and a lot of those jumpsuits were actually like 1980s sort of Lycra disco jumpsuits. Yeah. Uh, if in the most recent movie, Dune, everyone's in a military outfit, but right. they're all basically jumpsuits. Yeah. Star Trek, every single person is dressed identically. The only difference is in the color of their tunic. And there was something in the air in the in the nineteen, and I think all of this started in the in the sixties, probably as a result of watching fighter pilots wearing flight suits and astronauts wearing astronaut suits. 
everybody got it into their head that what the future was was people wearing jumpsuits. And as someone who's worn jumpsuits, I can tell you the only problem with the jumpsuit is they're hard to get into and out of. Mm-hmm. Like putting on the pants part isn't hard, but getting those that, you know, the sleeves up over your shoulders. I mean, once they're over your shoulders, boy, you zip it up and you just feel like you just feel amazing all day. But as someone who's gotten stuck inside a jumpsuit a few times where it's like, get this thing off me. And somebody else is trying to pull the sleeves because whatever, it just didn't. It's I got I'm, there's too much of me. But if we can resolve the jumpsuit tailoring issue. Primarily meaning that for a jumpsuit to look good, it's got to look a little tailored. You don't want to just, you don't want to look like uh, your, your Violet Beauregard or whatever, or your, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who, who is it? Is it Veruca Salt? Which one blows up? Um, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to turn into a blueberry. So it's got to look tailored, but it's also got to be non-restrictive. And I don't know whether jumpsuits need an extra zipper I don't think Velcro is the issue. I don't think it's the solution. But we may be headed into that future because all of those people that I'm referring to in science fiction that are wearing jumpsuits, we don't look at those costumes and think, oh, man, they've totally given up. They're just walking around in pajamas. We think the opposite, right? Like, whoa, they're so tailored. They're so manicured. They're so, like, clean and fresh. And formal, there's a formality, but of course, a lot of science fiction of the 60s, 70s, and 80s kind of presumes a degree of social leveling where none of those people are wearing jewelry, right? If you think about, I mean, Star Wars introduces jewelry in the, in the later slash earlier episodes, Episode one, two, and three, for lack of a better, you know, the yeah. Jar Jar Binks stuff. Yeah. We get this sort of introduction to, to Padme and a world where people are wearing jewelry. But mm-hmm. in the, in Star, in the first three Star Warses, is there, is it, other than, other than the awards that, uh, where, where Chewie doesn't get one, all the clothes are practical, right? Even all of Leia's outfits. Minus Slave Leia, of course, <laughs> which that costume deserves its own franchise. Yeah, for sure. But the the kind of the practical and unadorned and also kind of socially level costuming of what we imagined the future was going to be, where there was still rank. Everybody has rank. Like the, the empire always has those little chicklets on people's shirts. Star Trek. It's just about what through, throughout the Star Trek movies, there was a lot of like, Oh, now all of a sudden Kirk's an admiral and he's got more bling on his shirt. Am I wrong about this? I think you're right. Shirts got blingy or, mm-hmm. or, you know, they became tunics rather than shirts. And all of a sudden it's like this, that, but I do think that that's probably the the next direction or at least a direction because the 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 desire to be formal the desire to yeah why do i like that that's the weird thing like what's wrong with me that i well, like i that? think a lot of people do and i think it's native to human beings 
status and class are things that we, at least post-Marks, are always trying to um, to eliminate or at least yeah. mute. Yeah. And as you know, it's like, like you go out to eat at a nice restaurant and people are in their nice restaurant dressed the same way that they dress if they were at a Chili's or a, you know, a Taco Bell. And that's like people are like, well, why not? I'm going to be comfortable. And I, I know, but it, like it should be an event. And there's a way to sort of commemorate the event and you commemorate it. Like people will go on. Like I was watching was it yesterday or the day before there was um, I do this thing in the morning where I have I have one of these Google Nest Hub things It has like a little ca- it has a camera and it has that's not. No, this one doesn't have a camera, but it has a screen so you can like watch stuff. So in the morning, I'll just say to it. I won't, I won't, you know, this, I won't use the keyword, but I'll tell it, show, tell me the news or whatever. And that somehow, I don't know why, but that makes it start playing like news stories from CNN and NPR and a whole bunch of other places. Apparently, maybe I set this up once and it just does it, Sure. but I get a whole bunch of news stories and some of them have video. Some of them are just audio. And on the video one, there was, there was this one interview with this dude. I don't know what he was even talking about, but he was a, he was like a, like a, an expert of some kind mm-hmm. and he's Let's sitting there out. and he's in his house. Cause everyone's in their house. He's in his house and he's talking, you know, over some video chat that they recorded and they're showing this as a news segment and he's wearing like the t-shirt he slept in. And you can tell because like the top of the t-shirt is kind of rolled, you know, like an old white t-shirt. It's like an old white old man t-shirt, loose, lo- loose fitting with like a rolled collar like you're on national television, maybe even international. It's going, you know, like millions of people are going to see you in this. And then people will always do these interviews and they're wearing like garbage clothing. There's like wearing the same, like a, like a t-shirt and an old pair of jeans. Like you're going to be on TV. That's when you want to dress up. That's when you want to wear the nicest stuff that you have. You know, like, like people, I remember when the whole thing changed, like, as you know, John, I'm not very religious Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, in in most Jewish synagogues, it's a sign of respect that you you dress nicely. So you're going to wear your nice clothes. I understand that that people who are of Christian denominations for many many years would also wear their, as you would say, John, your Sunday best, mm-hmm. and they would wear that, and they mm-hmm. because they want to look nice. And then there was this, well, it's casual. Our church is just casual, and it's yeah, like casual. jeans and a t shirt. It's like, well, that that's the end of that then. The last bastion of hope gone. Well, there's a, there's got to be. I think, and I think that I think the the what a part of the world we're living in right now is that um, the early tech people thought of themselves as revolutionaries and were coming from a kind of libertarian revolutionary mindset where tech was going to set us free, tech was leveling. Right, it was accessible to everybody eventually. Right, the goal was that it be accessible to everybody, so that a poor person and a rich person were going to have access to the same information, and information wa- meant everything. And so there was within the tech entrepreneurial class uh, this kind of combination of like we're all engineers, so none of us are thinking about fashion anyway. We also think of ourselves as revolutionaries. Right. So we're not about expressing status. We're about the opposite. And as we get more and more successful, we're, we're positing ourselves against what we perceive to be IBM culture of the 60s 
and 70s, which we think of as, you know, as ties and white shirts. And that mentality, the mentality of that is what is stultifying. It, it, um, it is against innovation because everybody's so worried about these tight, you know, these tight suits that they are not letting it all hang out and away we go. Right. And that's, it all combined into this tech mythos of the really of the nineties casting back at the seventies and eighties, you know, in the seventies and eighties, those computer people were like, Oh yeah, they're over there doing that. Like keep them in a corral somewhere and, and, you know, and feed them paste. But in the nineties, when all that stuff was really ascendant, then all of a sudden we see, started to see these photographs of Paul Allen, looking like a, like a, a teddy bear and, mm-hmm. you know, and none of them had ever seen shampoo and, you know, and it was like, Oh, the glory days. And what that produced is this generation of the generation X tech, uh, CEOs who, who continued in this Steve jobs kind of, I just wear, I just wear very casual clothes. I mean, Steve jobs maybe was the last guy that had his own uniform. Yeah. Everybody else, Jack from Twitter, Ding Dong from Facebook, uh, the Snapchat dudes, all of them. Hmm. Sergi and and the other one, <laughs> um, they all wear t-shirts, t-shirts and jeans, just casual dudes. Yeah, because we're just we're still part of that revolution, man. We're not like tied up with your old. Except they're fighting. You know they're they're putting themselves as revolutionaries against a thing that doesn't exist anymore. There's no IBM culture, or if there is, you know IBM and Xerox are not setting the tone for a corporate America. Yeah, and then corporate America, which is just a slavish bunch of like drones, they see this kind of Jack in his T-shirt with his long beard, and they're like, "Whoa, we want that too." Whatever that energy is, because it seems to be making money, and First it's casual Fridays and then everybody's, you know, everybody's gone to shit. And now I don't know how Elon Musk dresses, but I'm presuming it's black t-shirts or does he have tunics? He wears tunics, doesn't he? Let me see here. Some kind of. Let me see here. If I just Google his name and I'm adding 2022 to it, I'm seeing him in a tuxedo. Okay. He's in a black, a lot of the time he's in a black suit or a black sport coat with a white shirt under it. That's what he seems to be in. Well, a lot of these are, yeah, he's got he, his, his uniform is some kind of jacket, which sometimes looks like it's a leather jacket, or it looks like it's just a black sport coat or suit jacket with a white shirt. That's what oh, he's, yeah. that is his standard outfit. As far, if I take the 2022 out of the search, yeah, it, his standard uniform is a, a black jacket of some kind with usually a white shirt, Sometimes a tie, sometimes it's a t-shirt, but that's right. his, his MO is white shirt, black jacket over it. And that's a real like college dude from the nineties yeah. idea oh, of very. how to make, you know, like put on t-shirt, throw a jacket over it. So cool. Whoa. Right. There's going to come, I think in the, there's going to come a backlash. There's going to be, because all of this is bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the fact of the, the guy, why am I forgetting his name? The, the, the boob who runs Facebook, who looks like a UFO. What's his name? <laughs> uh, with, he cuts his own hair. 
<laughs> you you really don't know Mark Zuckerberg. Zucker, Zuckerberg. <laughs> like got, he's your neighbor. How could you not yeah, know him? You look at him and you go, "Oh, like I just want, I want to kick sand in his face, right?" And that's intentional. He could look any way he wants. He could have had a mustache transplant. He could have uh, he could have angel wings. But he makes himself look like the last kid to get picked on the softball team because he thinks it camouflages the fact that he's worth billions of dollars. Right. He doesn't want to. Somehow he still thinks that he will stand out more. But even he, as you would say, donned a suit and tie when he had to go to court and talk about Facebook and things like that. And that's the one thing I feel even that is changing that we used to say, well, for my job, I wear a t-shirt and jeans. And to go out to a dinner, I wear a t-shirt and jeans. But if I have to go on TV or if I have to go to court or if I'm going to a wedding, of course, I'm, then I'm going to dress up. I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear. And they know. And it's like people know that they're dressing down. And that is what I feel has changed, On People yes. no longer know that they've dressed down. They're just getting dressed in what they have. And it doesn't even occur to them that there's something else. I remember, gosh, this must have been 17 years ago. I was going to some kind of, yeah, that's right. You know who Edward Tufty is? I've heard the name. Tufty. Um, Tufty is a very, I mean, he's a genius. He's a, he's sort of an artist. He's a statistician. He is somebody who is focused on usability. He was like, he runs something at Yale. I mean, he's a big deal. And he's very, very, very smart, super academic. And I was going with a, um, I was part of a remote team. We all, we were software developers all working in different places. And we were brought together by the, our, our boss, who is, I think the VP of technology or something to go to some conference that was, it was a Tufty conference and it was in like Arizona. It was in Phoenix or Scottsdale. And we went to this thing. And so I packed clothes and my clothes were mainly like, you know, jeans and, and button front shirts, you know, just regular, what, what people call button down shirts, which is erroneous, by the way, must go on record and say this, a button down shirt means that it has a, it is a shirt with buttons going up the front and a button down collar. That is a button down shirt. Usually people, when they say button down shirt, they mean a shirt with buttons going up the middle in the front. That is a button front shirt. Now that we've cleared that up, it was, I wore button front shirts and, and people were, the people that I was with were all in t-shirts and jeans. They're like, wow, Dan, like this isn't like, why are you so dressed up? Like everyone gave me such a hard time about it. And I'm like, here's a picture of me when I was a, a freshman in college wearing this same exact shirt and a pair of jeans and Converse. Like this is just what I've always worn. I think I probably started wearing it when I was a, a bag boy at Publix when I was 13, 14 years old. And they're versatile shirts. You you unbutton the couple top buttons and you look, you know, you look casual. You roll up the sleeves, you're casual. You untuck it, you look good. You gotta be a little bit more dressed up, you tuck it in. You be a, do a French tuck like like you do, you know, whatever. It's like fine. You have they're versatile, they're lightweight, breathable. But it it was like there I like I received backlash for wearing a shirt that was somehow like out of touch because 15 years ago, wearing a button front shirt, you're like out of touch somehow. And I don't care about any of that anymore. 
but it's like the reaction to that was I just couldn't believe it. It was like this group of like a dozen people like freaking out. Well, because it's because in the twentieth century, we started to 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 privilege a kind of of mask of social leveling that nobody actually believed. It's not in our hearts at all. Yeah. Like we do not believe Jeff Bezos is just one of us Mm -hmm. because he's wearing ripped jeans Mm -hmm. that cost $900. Mm -hmm. He believes somehow that, you know, Bezos decided at some point he was going to look like Pitbull, but you know, Bezos is doing the thing. He's expressing real wealth by being really in shape. Like that's a way that people express status now by they they still are just wearing t-shirts, but the fact that they're really in shape yeah. is a thing that's expensive. It's expensive to be in shape. Like there are still, it's still possible to be a working class person and be in shape. Right. But the working class now suffers from sugar malnutrition and to really eat well and be really fit, like takes a lot of work, takes it time. Does. Time, money. So the idea that we actually are are status leveled because everybody's dressed casually is totally baloney. And and we all know it. I mean, I think that when when these uh, when these uh, nerds put on suits and ties to go testify before Congress, they're actually still. I mean, seeing. Uh, Zuckerberg in a suit and tie yeah. is a kind of performance that actually is contemptuous. Mm-hmm. He puts on the suit and tie not to be respectful of Congress, but but in a way as a diss, like, oh, I'm going to wear your little monkey suit. Like, I could show up here in a gold lame jumpsuit with a headdress, but I'm going to wear your little cheap suit, your your uh, J. Crew suit. Because that's the dumb game that you're playing. That I'm seven dimensions higher than. Like it's not like it's. It, I don't think in any way a sign of respect when these guys put on suits. I think it's the opposite. But it's a complete. You think it's them sort of coming to say, "I'll play your little game." If absolutely. That's how you want it? Absolutely. Does I'll this, wear. Your does this make you happy? Costume. Does yeah. this make you feel good? And it says that to the world. It says it to all their acolytes. Right. It says. Like, oh, look, he put on a suit, lol. Right. Now, there's a weird other thing, right? And I think that, and this is, it's already 10 years old that everybody, that there was a certain kind of Jack Donaghy worship in the world. Like, this guy, what is he, a, a farmer? Like, everybody loves that quote. Everybody loves the fact that he dressed really well, that he looked great in a suit. And I think that was an expression of that 10 years ago idea in men's fashion that maybe we're, maybe it's a renaissance and we're all going to dress like, uh, like Edward, yeah, Edward the whatever, like, yeah. yeah, you know the Prince of whoever he ended up being. I don't remember all the all his permutations, but but I don't think that's it. I don't think we're ever going to go back to tweed. I don't think we're ever <laughs> going to go back to saddle <laughs> shoes. Right, right. I I don't think that that is going to happen. But what is going to happen is that somebody, yeah, some person is going to acknowledge their own status 
And we're, I do think we're right now in the absolute nadir of fake disavowal of status. Like right now, everybody's scrambling over each other to deny that they have power, to deny that they have wealth, because it's unseemly, it's seen as anti-liberal. Of course, meanwhile, while wealth consolidates like crazy, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a mask. It's a, it's a defense against yeah. it. Yeah. Because if Zuckerberg walked around wearing a suit like, you know, wearing a, wearing a costume like Galtieri or, or like, uh, you know, Franz Ferdinand, we would hate him more, right? That's his, that's his presumption that we would hate him more. Because he would be, he, because he'd be flamboyantly expressing his wealth. That's why he lives in some dumb McMansion in a suburb of Palo Alto, instead of, as I have suggested many times, living on an aircraft carrier <laughs> or in a giant dirigible that just floats over Palo Alto. Yeah. Now that shows some imagination. He has none. If you look at Andrew Carnegie, he's wearing a black wool three-piece suit buttoned all the way up to the top with a silk cravat every day of his life. But that's not, I mean, that wasn't unusual. The, probably the guy that was cleaning his chimney was also wearing a, a three-piece suit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anytime you see these like period pieces of these times of like, you know, like, yeah, like the chimney sweep, like even those people, I'll tell you what, when I visited South Korea, what, like 10, 15 years ago, the one thing that really struck me, and yes, I was in I was in bigger cities. I was in Seoul. I was in Busan. But not only were most people dressed very, very well when they went out, and of course you have your salaryman type uh, person going to their job. Everyone was in suits. But the people who worked the jobs, even the what we would call blue collar jobs, the 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 you know whether they were taxi cab drivers or gardeners or whatever. They all took extremely, I mean, they took great pride in their appearance and how they looked. You know, the guy, the guy who's literally shoveling mulch would be, it, well, he wouldn't be in a suit, but he was in clean pressed slacks with nice shoes and a, and a dress shirt and gloves and his hair was quaffed and he looked, you know, he, and it was obvious that uh, he took great pride in his appearance. And generally speaking, I, I saw that everywhere we went, you know, and, and people, the whole concept of uniforms, even if your uniform is a suit and tie, that they, there is this great respect for that. I don't know if things have changed. I'm sure they've changed in the last decade, but I just was really struck by that, that, that everyone, and what was interesting is like on the weekend when we would go sort of like, um, to, to some like, if, like we went and saw this like ancient Buddhist temple and these rock carvings and like all the men were still wearing suits and ties, like on a Saturday at three in the afternoon doing something completely recreational. And that seemed weird to me, but yet it was somehow consistent. It was like, well, that's, that's his station. That's his position and his station in the world. So of course he's going to wear that. Well, know? and the pride of acknowledging your station is also a thing that, that we've lost in this sort of fake presentation of social leveling. 
the idea that a, that a working class person would have pride in their social station and would dress accordingly out of a sense of like, that's right. That's, this is who I am in the same way that a, that a non-commissioned officer wears their uniform with as much, if not more dignity and formality than any officer ever would. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about punk rock, like the early days of punk rock, although the ultimate expression of contempt for the IBM Xerox style of fashion, mm-hmm. punk rock was such a mannered and formal style, like incredibly formal. The amount of work and costuming and signification in those outfits, like it's it's to the level of of Franz Ferdinand, and I don't mean the band. Uh-huh. You know, the, the medals, the badges, the, uh, you know, and incorporating scars even, uh, it was almost a warrior culture and even punk rock at some point along the way that, that costuming got defanged Mm -hmm. by the uh, eventually ubiquitous kind of black t-shirt and jeans that became the costume of hardcore. And now if you were a band that showed up with your hair spiked and, um, you know, and ripped clothes held together with safety pins, I mean, all of which was very mannered, but also, you know, if you, if you listen to the mythology, like, Oh, my shirt was, my shirt was ripped. And so I had to band it together with the stick staples like, no, yes. Okay. Sure. But also no, there were charity shops then also where you could get fine clothes for cheap. But if you showed up as a band, like in, in, in enough high style, Uh it would really stand out and it would be exciting, but it would seem I mean, you'd have to be good in order to justify the... Co- Imagine a David Bowie now. No. Nope. Imagine wouldn't, a Ziggy Stardust now. It's just not well, going to happen. It might because there are examples, right? There, there, There is a Missy Elliott. There yeah. are people that step forward and say, you're going to have to, you're going to have to accommodate me in your world. And obviously, Bowie was an outlier even in his time. Um. But nobody stepped, I mean, even when Robert Plant stepped on stage in super tight blue jeans and no t-shirt and no shirt at all, like, I mean, that's an example. His body expressed more wealth and status than, than a thousand uniforms, right? Because that, because ultimately your body is your, is your wealth in a, in, in a lot of in a lot of ways, but yeah. I don't, I don't think, like I say, we can't get more casual and how we, how we get formal again. And it may be that the, that there needs to be actual social leveling for a period by which I mean, you know, what I think a lot of people are hoping for, which is some form of redistribution of wealth, which is going to be violent. There's no version of redistribution of wealth that isn't violent in some way. And I don't, I, I'm not preaching civil war, but it's a, 
no one gives up wealth voluntarily unless they are like middle class liberals who are like, no, 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 take my, take my status, please. That's insincere too. No one sincerely surrenders their status unless they're Pete Seeger and Pete Seeger didn't either. You know, mm-hmm. he's on magazine covers. It's not like Pete Seeger went to work making molasses. But once there is again an honest expression of what is an, an innate human desire to, to express status, to possess status, and to express it in ways that are that easy to parse, you know, and, and right now it's like a blue check mark. It's really the number of followers you have is as much an expression of status as anything in the world. It's just a, it's a raw number, right? Like it's a, it's a clout score. Basically what's your clout score mm-hmm. and what's your blue check mark? And we don't have to wear a headdress, but I do <laughs> I mean, what's it going to be like? It's going to be avatars, weirdly. Although yeah. I'm doing the science fiction thing, which is trying to predict what it's going to be. And it's almost never going to be that. We think, oh, no, it's going to be avatars. And to have the right headdress on your avatar is going to cost money because it's an NFT. And it's like, no, no, no. That's 2022. You think that that, you think we're at the end of history and 2050 is going to give one good goddamn about avatars. But I do think, just looking at my daughter and the way she gets dressed in the morning, she wants her clothes to say something. And, you know, I get out of her way because I think she's onto something. 